This is the IDP After Show. And welcome to the IDP After Show. Uh, we have Jeff and Jake here. Welcome, Jeff, to your first episode of the IDP After Show. Thank you, Jake. I could say the same for myself as well, actually. Uh, Evan and others have been rocking this thing out pretty good, but uh, yeah, we, we're going to take a crack at it here tonight. Uh, but before we jump into that, just want to let people know who we are and where they can find us right away. So, so Jeff, why don't you tell the lovely folks a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah, I've uh, kind of jumped on the ship a couple of, or a year or so ago and uh, been doing some articles for the IDP show, doing uh, some waiver wire ads last season and things like that for that. And then also kind of doing a lot of writing recently for the IDP show draft kit that's coming out. Got a lot of exciting things going to jump on board with that. So we'll, we'll kind of mention those two as we go throughout the, the blurb here. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, I partnered with Jeff on a lot of those things, right? So with the draft kit, uh, rookie rankings is one of those things. Um, we also did some work, or we, I shouldn't say did, what well, we did and are currently continuing to do uh, roster eval work as well. So for you premium subscribers here, uh, make sure that you're tapping into that benefit fully. Um, myself and Jeff love meeting with you guys, going through your rosters and just chatting ball. So we have that offer for you. Make sure to find that on the website. Um, and yeah, I think Jeff, you, you alluded to it perfectly, right? You know, what we're doing here today is a bit of a teaser as to what you're going to see inside that draft kit. So uh, tonight we're going to be talking uh, breakouts, fades, and sleepers. With that said, let's jump right into it. So the first first category we have here is a sleeper. So when we, when we look at this, just kind of framing it up for everybody, you know, this is someone we feel is being, you know, vastly overlooked this season has some real potential to outperform their current ADP by at least a round, if not more. And, and Jeff, who's that guy we're looking at tonight? Yeah, there's a lot of guys. And uh, as we went through the list of people and players that we could have picked from um, at the IDP draft kit, we're going to have 10, 10 names in every category between sleeper breakout and fades. And um, this is just kind of a bonus. So these guys won't even be seen on, on the, on the articles, but our first, uh, our first sleeper guy here is uh, Zach Allen. Uh, interior lineman for the now Denver Broncos. His current ADP is D lineman 52. And uh, a lot of reasons to like Zach Allen going forward. Um, he just signed a three-year uh, $45 million deal um, with $32 million guaranteed. So clearly that's uh, not sideline money. He's not going to be holding the clipboard for anybody. He's going to be out on the field playing lots of snaps. Um, he immediately walks in as the second best lineman, arguably in Denver behind uh, Randy Gregory. Um, and even some might kind of say that Gregory's going to kind of miscast in Denver and he hasn't quite lived up to the, the bonus and the signings that he had. Um, another thing to kind of consider with Allen, um, the new defensive coordinator in Denver is Vance Joseph and who just happened to coach Zach Allen in Arizona the last couple of seasons. So clearly there's a strong connection there. Uh, Vance Joseph clearly sees something in Zach Allen rather than him resigning in Arizona. Um, Zach Allen signed for obviously big money to play for his old coach and get an opportunity here in Denver. So, and I, and I got to, I'll jump in here quick. I want to say, Jeff, I, I love that. Right. When you see um, a coach coming in, especially a tenured coach, right? So he knows what he wants. He knows what he's looking for. Um, he's got, he's got a player who has performed in a system in the past and they pay, like you said, you know, real money um, to come there and take that role. I, I think that's a huge call. And I think that's something that, uh, you know, 
I, I don't always say the money's always right, but I, I definitely think it's leading us to where we want to be, especially when it comes to trying to find some of these IDP values. So right, we got to follow the money. There. So and clearly, you know, that's what's happening here. And the other yep. thing too is um, Vance Joseph was actually the guy who drafted Zach Allen out of college. So I mean, like, so he's got even that connection, like going through that scouting and clearly saw something as a college player, drafted him into the pros in the third round, and now took him with him to Denver. So, you know, so clearly there's a, a strong connection there and kind of likes what he sees there. So um, kind of looking at last year's um, stats for Zach Allen, he scored 141 points in big three scoring, which was good for D lineman 38. And that was despite missing four games with a hand injury. And Arizona season was already lost when Kyler Murray went down. So there was no reason to rush Zach Allen back. So here we're looking at Zach Allen going off the board at D lineman 52, who last season was D lineman 38 without playing four games. So, and he was scoring 10, 10.8 points a game before the injury, which would have been good for D lineman 25 and points per game. So, you know, just kind of looking at that value, he's almost two rounds better just based on last year's numbers alone. So um, just kind of thinking about how efficient he is as a player and that growth from year to year, he's just going to continue to get better. And, you know, grade wise, you know, from year one to year four, he's improved in almost every defensive category, defensive efficiency, rush defense, pass defense. All of those have just been like 10 or 15 digit um, increases in his grade. So, you know, clearly an ascending player, clearly a coach who wants him, clearly a coach and they paid him to play. So he's going to see the field early and often, I feel so. Oh, I, I, I love this take here. I love I love Zach Allen. He was someone that I think really, at least in a lot of leagues I played in, um, made some big splashes, you know, midway through the year uh, and really showed up big on in the stat sheets. And then eventually, you know, you, like you said and called out here perfectly, you know, it, it showed through on the NFL field as well, which is going to lead through to him seeing the, the high value snaps that we're looking for. Um, I, you know, I mean, yeah, Baron Browning, you know, Randy Gregory, there's these guys where there's a lot of vacated snaps or a lot of snaps available to this defensive line. Mm -hmm. And Joseph is seemingly going to want to plug and play this guy from the beginning of the year. And he's going to have the volume of the snaps. So, I mean, worst case, even on an average level, he's, he's going to maintain his value for that, but then having the upside, I think is what really pushes him into that sleeper range, right? Where you can say that this guy can really deliver for us and be in, you know, that, you know, DL three ish range, right. Or, you know, Versus this, you know, low end DL four, high end DL five type situation. Right, and you're getting him at DL five prices, and he's more than likely going to be that, you know, DL three at floor ceiling. We're looking at mid, you know, two maybe back end one. You know, if things all fall right, um, with him, you know, with Bradley Chubb leaving to go to Miami too, that leaves even more vacated snaps. Chubb was playing 51 snap snaps a game, which is exactly the same number of snaps that um, Allen was playing for Arizona. So he's clearly able to handle the volume, things like that. One last caveat with him is if your league happens to have um, defensive tackle as a position, you might want to check out Zach Allen's uh, eligibility because he might be like a sneaky cheat code. Um, just depending on how that defensive uh, alignment is in Denver, if they're running a three, four or four, three hybrid, he might kind of have that dual eligibility, which really could be a, a, a nice, Nice uh, little cheat code, little Konami code, up, down, up, down, side, side, A, B, select, start. <laughs> look at this guy. That, nice throwback. I love that. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I did not get a chance to look at his alignments, but I know that in 
uh, Arizona at the time, she was taking a, a fair amount of snaps um, from some of those edge rushing positions, right? So, yeah, if you can get a guy who's going to give you that defensive interior upside for for the floor of, you know, what he can do tackle-wise, but then, you know, on, on obvious pass rushing situations, maybe he gets kicked out to the edge where he can have a, a greater opportunity to try and deliver more. Again, just just pushes that value up more than more than what it's clearly at right now. So, yep. no. And the great, last great thing, I, I know I was said the last thing last thing ago, but <laughs> just thinking, I think thinking about like Denver's like play this season, it has to improve. And you know, there's a lot of a lot to be said about positive game script. And where Denver last year was like losing a lot of games late, you know, other teams were just running the ball against them. Obviously, if Alex Singleton could rack up 20 tackles in a game <laughs> with guys just running up the middle to run the clock out, you know, if, if Denver kind of turns the ship around here with Sean Payton in town. You know, maybe they're winning a few more games towards the end, and then their pass rush kind of becomes more of a more prevalent at, at the end of the game. You know, and guys like Zach Allen maybe can get a few more pressures and a few more sacks rather than just running the ball up the middle and run the game out. So I don't know. I'm trying. To, I'm just trying to decide if you were trying to besmirch the great Alex Kingleton right now. So well, uh. <laughs> he's the linebacker no one really wants, but then all of a sudden, like he becomes relevant every single season and. I think he Is signed that, a pretty big contract too this offseason. He signed it was a solid uh, deal. I, I can't remember if it was two or three years now off the top of my head, but yeah, it was it was a it was a sizable contract where clearly he's he's the guy that they're gonna be playing there, um, you know, alongside Josie Jewell. So that's another one. That's a that's another story for another day. So. Right, that's another that's another write-up in another article. <laughs> All right. So what what are we on to next year then? So next we are gonna move on to uh, a breakout category. And our breakout category is someone who maybe has not been talked about enough, but probably should be considered a weekly starter going forward. Someone who's just kind of like on that cusp of greatness. And so uh, who you got for us, Jake? All right. Well, for that one, we have the Joe Tryon Shoyinka. Uh, just a fun name to say regardless. So he gets bonus points for that. Uh, but we're looking at the edge rusher for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, actually a lower IDP currently than uh, our friend Zach Allen before us uh, at DL 67. Um, so when I, when I take a look at Joe Troy and Shinka, things that really stood out for me, um, clear, heavy utilization for him, right? 884 snaps for an edge. I mean, 17th most in the NFL, um, not a Mad Max level of usage, you know. He they, he put up almost what 1,100, 1,200 snaps this year, uh, but you know, for a guy on a defense that uh, is needing some play from a lot of or a lot of support from a lot of different spots, um, nearly 900 snaps is, is a huge blessing and, and something we definitely love to see. Uh, he he did only manage to score 119 points in Big Three scoring with that. Uh, however, it was really some of the uh, um, efficiency numbers that really stood out for me. Right, so a 10.7 pass rush pressure rate. So when you look at the league average in 2022, it was close to around 5%. Uh, it's great to see him all, it almost double the league average. And as well as he took a nice step up, almost two full percentage points from his 2021 uh, campaign where he's at 8.87. You know, and, and that's really looking at that saying, hey, about every nine snaps, he is every nine pass rush snaps, he's getting in there and actually generating a pressure, right? And pressures are the first step to delivering, you know, the, the things that are in a score for us in, in IDP formats with a quarterback hit or, you know, hopefully with the sack um, or some sort of big play in the backfield. And having that kind of potential utilization or that type of um, efficiency is a great baseline to start with. Um, also, you look at just his win rate. So this is a, a great PFF metric 
that I love to dig into that says, you know, hey, this is subjective. It's looking at those matchups that Joe Troyanchenko has on a on a play-by-play basis. And is he winning that matchup against the guy he's lined up on the other side, right? So sometimes, you know, pressures and other things can be a little, you know, um, inflated in the sense of, oh, maybe the quarterback held the ball too long or it was a coverage sack or those types of things. This is, hey, how often is he just straight up winning his matchup one-on-one on the other side? And again, nice to see the improvement from year one to year two, 11% up to almost 15 at 14.8 here in year two. Um, Pressures-wise, oh, go ahead, Jeff, something there. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, um, sometimes we they put too much emphasis as, like, analysts from year to year, like, on sacks. And sacks are such a hard number to repeat. You know, it's kind of like cornerbacks getting interceptions. You know, like interceptions are great. They're big, big splash plays. Sacks are great. They're big splash plays. But they're so hard to, like, predict and to repeat. Yep. And like you said, there's so many variables that can go into a pick or a sack that that pressure rate is really kind of a determining factor on, like, hey, this guy's winning every single time. He's winning consistently. More often than not, he's going to get home. He's going to make a play. You know, like – and. And the sack is just like kind of like the cherry on the ice cream. It's just kind of like it's 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 great, but it's not very predictable. And you know, like you said, with that win rate is much more indicative of like how effective of a player he is. And like you said, if he's going to get there like every nine times or nine one out of every nine times, that's that's pretty successful. So, right, and I agree. And especially when you look at, I mean, this is something that's a little more. Um, you know, gut feel, but I don't think the Buccaneers are moving in the right direction. Um, and so there's probably going to be plenty of opportunities for, you know, uh, try and shrink it to really get out there um, and take, continue to take a bunch of snaps and, and try to deliver some of those points. So, um, but what he did do with some of those, those snaps, he turned it into 48 pressures, which was 36 amongst, amongst edge rushers, which again, a little light considering he was 17th at snaps, you know, so you'd like to see a little closer one-to-one correlation, obviously. Uh, however, the one thing that was positive for us moving forward is he wasn't actually a little light on his sack production based on how many pressures he did get. So again, looking at the 2022 season and how that kind of averages out, it's, I think it's about six and a half pressures usually generates into one sack um, on average. We would have liked to have seen him closer to about seven and a half sacks for the year. He actually only ended up with five. So again, a little bit left there for him to maybe pick up on and maybe some of that positive regression coming into year three here. And again, coordinate that with the volume that he should see. It looks really good. The one thing that was a little lighter for him um, that does give me a little concern is he did only have 36 total tackles um, with 10 missed tackles. So um, I'd like to have a little bit better floor with someone seeing that many snaps. But again, same thing, pure volume. Um, He's shown that he's capable of being in the place to make the play, right? He's getting pressures. He's... Even if he is missing a tackle, he's still there. So it means there's a little bit left on the bone. Again, that's why these guys are probably at the value they're at. Yep. But it's it's looking for those that are actually in position to be able to make a play or contribute to a play because that, that, that's what we need to, especially when we're looking at someone here at uh, DL67. Um, that's, that's part of it too, Jake. When you're looking at DL67, you're looking at like, you know, in, this, in the league, you're probably starting three or four defensive linemen. You know, he's looking at like, a bench player at best, you're taking him late in a draft, you pick him up late in a draft towards the end of the rounds. And then like you sit on him two or three weeks, he doesn't do anything. You drop him mad the next best thing, but he goes off first two weeks. You know, you look like a genius because you're sitting with him on your bench. You know, you don't have to worry about spending that, you know, waiver wire money to get him, or hopefully he falls to you in a, in the waiver. So you look like a, a mad scientist when you have him sitting there. So 
it'd be crazy or crazy smart, one of the two, right? Um, <laughs> and, and with that, you know, uh, there's obviously some good uh, growth from year one to year two. I think you put together some really nice numbers here. Um, just taking a look at some of that PFF growth for him. So what do we got for him in terms of year one to year two pro, um, product or pro, what am I trying to say here? Growth? Yeah, that'll work. I yeah, guess. there's yeah. some really good, like just solid numbers across the board. You know, like as we look at players and we want, we would like to see them ascending in all categories. And uh, he he's done that, He you know, like even from year one to year two. And you have to remember, this guy didn't play college ball his senior year because of COVID concerns. And he still was drafted the back end of one. So, you know, like we're going, the Buccaneers drafted him on tape from his sophomore, junior season out of Washington. He didn't even play a senior season. So it was kind of like he's, he's really still kind of learning the position as far as, you know, like um, development skills, tactics, you know, and he's got some great uh, teachers in Tampa Bay. You know, there's a pretty good defensive line room um, or they did last year with a bunch of like pretty savvy veterans and things like that to pick up. So he's definitely um, is in a good environment, but like you said, like he improved on his defensive overall grade, he almost 20 points higher. He improved nearly 15 points on his rush grade, 10 on his tackle efficiency. You know, like you said, there's still, room for improvement there and even if he just continues to grow there you're gonna he's gonna light up the stat sheet you know instead of missing those tackles all of a sudden they become solo tackles and things like that or you know maybe even turns it into a forced fumble or something like that too so um and then like like you said before with his win rate like his pass pass rush efficiency has just really gone up too it's gone up like nearly 10 points too so that's a, a good stat to see and you know not that we care about his coverage skills as the defensive defensive end but you know he might have to leak out and get those those running backs coming out of coverage and he's also improved in that area as well. So yeah, for me, like I said, try on someone that probably dropping down your boards or like you said, maybe not even available or you can pick him up in the last round of a draft. Uh, he's worth that flyer because usage um, continued growth, especially at a position that, you know, like you said, coming out where he missed, he missed a whole year of college ball. And now all of a sudden, you know, he's got to jump in and play against these, these grown ass men as the, as the boys like to call it, right. And that grown ass man strength. Um, yep. He's got some catching up to do, but it looks like he's making the, the right steps and the right strides towards, you know, fully catching up. And if he does that with the the baseline that we see in terms of his utilization, I think, I think we got someone who's ready to break out here in year three. Wide receivers break out year three. We got defensive ends breaking on year three. So I like it. All right, moving on. We got, we got a fade for us here. So what does a fade mean? Fade is someone who is currently going just a little bit too high in drafts. Um, not saying, you know, to never draft someone, but, you know, this is a player we might be looking to avoid, especially at their current price. With that said, who is on our fade list? Uh, as bad as it pains me to say, it's uh, Jordan Brooks, linebacker from Seattle Seahawks, uh, currently going off the board in best ball drafts at AB linebacker 20. And, this clearly has to be all name and reputation. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of uh, ID players didn't even realize that he injured his ACL um, on new year's day um, back at, back at uh, right before the playoffs uh, went down recovery time on that is probably like eight to nine months. Um, he didn't have surgery until like almost towards the middle half of January. So we're looking at maybe September, October at best, um, I know there's been uh, some Twitter reports of him already running and things like that, but it's it looked like straight line running. You know, there's not that quick twitch, that lateral movement and things like that. And so, um, Jake, you had mentioned something too earlier about like um, 
somebody a lot smarter than us doing some research <laughs> on some ACL recoveries? What would you find? Yeah. Yeah. So those people who got like the PhD and the MD after their titles, right? Like I can just put like MR in front of my name. That's about all I right. can do. But yeah, these guys get to add the real meaningful stuff to their titles. Um, and so what it is, it's, you know, a study and I, and I use this data pretty religiously, especially when you look at things um, across all positions. I really dug into it last year with running backs, um, but it was fun to really dig into the linebacker side of this. And, and from 2013 to 2018, uh, they studied, like, I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of like 120 ACL injuries across NFL players, um, across all the different positions, and really take a look and say, okay, what is their return to value? What is their return to utilization? Um, and the ones that saw the biggest hits were running backs, defensive linemen, and the number three was linebackers. And they saw it took somewhere between 12 months, plus or minus two and a half months. So that kind of falls into that time range, you know, that you were saying about, you know, it could be eight to nine months um, on the positive side. Uh, but before that, they really start to get back to any sort of, you know, full or close to full value delivery, right? So I think they said in the study, they saw about a 67 and a half percent, you know, return to value um, right at the beginning of the, these timelines when, when these players return. So yes, Jordan Brooks was great, but would you want, 70% Jordan's Jordan Brooks at an optimistic timeline for linebacker 20. Right. Like that, that, I mean, and that's really, I think where a lot of this kind of slots into, right. Is that that's what, that's what we're holding this up against to say, are you going to want that? Um, and I'm not going to want to pay that because I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me. We can pull me. I can try and pull them up while you keep going here, but you know, some of the people that are going around him are going to probably be way more yeah. worth you know, what the risk that you're taking here. And that's, and that's, again, assuming all the positive outcomes and, you know, you see the, the coach speak and all that stuff. Of course, it's going to be positive at this it's point. Pete Carroll. In the <laughs> yeah. Right. Just, chew, just chewing on his gum. Yeah. He's coming right. back. He's coming back. Everything's early. great in Pete Carroll's world. So. <laughs> yeah. So, so no, I'm, I'm definitely not liking where he's going to land in terms of this injury and his value and production right away. Doesn't mean I, you know, you can't hold him in dynasty or other things, but, Right now, linebacker 20, yeah, that, that's a tough sell for me. So, Yeah, especially coming off the board as a late LB2, you know, you're going to be sitting on him, you know, for half the season at least hoping he can return to form. And not only does he have to overcome his physical injuries, they have to, he has to overcome this guy named Bobby Wagner. I don't know if you've heard about him. He's, I heard he was pretty good in Seattle for, you know, just shy of a decade. Um, so not only did Seattle re-sign Bobby Wagner, but they also signed Devin Bush, which, you know, first round, first uh uh, a first round linebacker pick, you know, they usually pan out. Uh, Pittsburgh just has a, a tendency to not ever produce like a solid linebacker. If you just kind of historically looking back at there's hasn't been like really solid um, scoring linebackers in Pittsburgh over the last decade, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's scheme or whatever it is, but they just don't seem to rack up points. Um, so maybe a fresh place for Devin Bush kind of gets him turned around. Um Kind of looking at kind of the splits with and without Bobby Wagner in uh, 2022 when Wagner was in Los Los Angeles, um, Brooks actually graded out poorer than he did with Wagner in town, um, and he went on to um, that was the year that he finished LB three, um, but his grades have just just were much worse, and I think that has a tendency to do with like how the offense play calls their plays. Um, clearly, Brooks is not on the level that Bobby Wagner is and offensive coordinators and quarterbacks kind of like scheme their game plan to attack Jordan Brooks weaknesses. 
Um, kind of looking at the splits between Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks, it looks like they're like complete, two completely different people. Um, Bobby Wagner graded out as LB1 with a 90.7 defensive grade. Jordan Brooks, 52.8. He was linebacker 131. Um, in run defense, Bobby Wagner's graded out as LB2 with a 91.1. Uh, Jordan Brooks, 65.2, LB70. You know, we can just kind of keep going. Tackle efficiency, Bobby Wagner, LB1. Jordan Brooks, 70, linebacker 72. Um, pass rush, Bobby Wagner, linebacker 7. Jordan Brooks, linebacker 56. You know, and even Bobby Wagner being long in the tooth in coverage, he was still LB15 last season. And Jordan Brooks was linebacker 152. It's just like, it's like night and day difference. And, you know, obviously Wagner's got the age factor on him and stuff like that, but he's still going to be able to produce. Like the mental part of his game is going to put him in a lot of positions to win. And for Jordan Brooks to overcome not only an ACL injury, but then also competition for snaps with Bobby Wagner, it's very rare we see two linebackers be top 12, top 20 together on the same team. It's just they cannibalize each other's stats. And Bobby Wagner is, until he's retired, he's like the Travis Kelsey. He's just going to be elite at that position until he's, he calls it quits. So. It's you know, like, I feel like that or the Tom Brady effect, right? Like this is the year that Bobby Wagner finally right. doesn't do good, right? And We've been seeing it for five years. You're right, right. Just keeps delivering. So I, I, I had to look back because, right? So you talked about Devin Bush, and like you're like, well, you know, and something there in in Pittsburgh. It was funny because, uh, you know, Devin Bush actually had a really strong rookie season. It was, it was, I think it was uh, heavy on some big splash plays, um, but you know, really showed that athleticism, range, and playmaking. But then the next year, he had an ACL injury. And he just really hasn't been the same since that ACL injury. Mm. Correlation right. or coincidence, who knows, right? But just I thought that was a fun little uh, fun little coincidence here, you know, talking about Jordan Brooks and his ACL. Um, and, you know, you see someone with Devin Bush who had that high draft capital, showed, showed some real promise. Um, and then ever since that ACL injury really hasn't been himself. And that kind of correlates to that study of saying, hey, linebackers and defensive linemen and running backs can really struggle returning from ACL injuries. So, um, and then real quick too, I did pull up the, some of the best ball, right? So, so you're talking about, Hey, Josie Jewell, Tremaine Edmonds, you know, Zavin Collins, like you, you would rather have Jordan Brooks in the uncertainty of that versus any of those other guys right there. I, I, I honestly wouldn't, I would not no. take Jordan Brooks over any of them. I don't know where you land on that, but, um, I mean, I don't even know how far I'd have to go down. Like Devondre Campbell. I'm here. Maybe here's a decent one. Uh, Devin Lloyd. Would you rather have Devin Lloyd or Jordan Brooks? Again, there's that that first round drafted linebacker. You know, I know that they doubled down with Alua Khan, and then they drafted Chad Muma later. You know, it's like there's just so many guys that are competing for snaps, but you almost got to take the healthy first round guy that's going to be on the field for the season versus a guy that we don't know if he's going to be back this season or not. And if he is, what capacity or how many snaps is he going to get? Maybe, you know, Wagner's Bobby Wagner and Devin Bush, you know, finally ascends to the player that he Pittsburgh hoped he would have been. And, you know, Jordan Brooks isn't, Brooks isn't asked to rush back. Just, you know, take your time and get better. Oh, I love it. I love it. So awesome work. I I, got to give all the credit to Jeff here. Jeff did a a lot of job of putting together a lot of these notes um, on short order. So Jeff, great job as always. Um, I'm just a Padawan. (laughs) <laughs> you're the Jedi uh, master <laughs> this guy this guy oh, yeah. if you if you need some if you need some good laughs besides what he's got here you should check out jeff on twitter he's, he's out there on twitter what is what's the handle uh boobam 131 
Perfect. Yeah. So check, check him out on Twitter. Um, he's always got some good thoughts there. Um, you can also, again, check us out in the draft kit on uh, the draft kit. Again, just a quick recap, right? So that, um, not all of it's our work in there. We got, it's a culmination of many people, but some of the things you'll see in that draft kit coming up and available on May 1st for all you paid supporters, uh, redraft, best ball, dynasty rankings, combined IDP rookie rankings. And you know, they're good. Cause it's from me and Jeff. Uh, team by team previews, printable cheat sheets, um, access to roster evals with me and Jeff, um, and then, and, and, you know, a plethora of other things beyond that. So, um, yeah, with that said, you know, thank you guys for your time. Best of luck with, uh, your, you know, uh, upcoming rookie drafts for everybody here. You know, check out all the content. And, yeah, Jeff, any other parting words? No, I appreciate it. Thanks, for, thanks again, Jake, for a, a great chat. All right. Thank you, guys. See you later. This was the IDP After Show. <laughs>